chapter number 18 tonight. Book of Luke, chapter number 18 in the Word of God. And we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture here that I hope will be a help and a blessing to you. Kind of along a little bit of the same theme of what we just heard sung about. Um, but uh, uh, asked the Lord what direction we needed to go tonight. Had a couple of thoughts on my heart. And I believe this is the direction he wants us to go. Those that are able to stand for the reading of the Word of God, I ask you to please do so as we read verses 1 down through verse number 8. This is in Luke 8, 1. And he spake a parable unto this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge who feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. He would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect? which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Well, I tell you what, there's sometimes as a preacher you get reading the Word of God and God preaches to you before you even get done reading the text. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm about ready to have a shout and fit. Glory to God. I'm glad that God's faithful. Amen. But I'm interested for the title of the message tonight in verse number 6. Where it says, And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith." God is wanting us to listen to an unjust man. So, with that in mind, I want to preach on this subject. When God says to listen to a lost man. When God says to listen to a lost man. That's what he's doing here. He's telling us that we're supposed to listen to a lost man. You'll see what I'm getting at in a moment. But first let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you dear Lord God to be able to fill our soul. Dear Lord God, I thank you. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your spirit. I thank you, dear Lord God, for you are who you are. You're holy, you're just, you're wonderful, you're beautiful. Oh, God, and we thank you, dear Lord God, that we get to serve you. I pray now, God, that you would put some preach in us. Help us, God, to be able to say what you want us to say and only what you want us to say. Oh, God, be with the hearers. I pray that the Holy Ghost of God would work on hearts and that people, dear Lord, would see how wonderful you are. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. As we come to this passage of Scripture, we find out in verse number the Bible says, and he spake a parable unto them. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the, New, throughout the Gospels in the New Testament spoke many parables unto his disciples and also unto bystanders, those be Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and other people as well. It was not uncommon whatsoever for the Lord himself to be able to use a parable. And you ask yourself, uh, just to clarify, you say, preacher, what is a parable? Well, by looking in the Word of God, we find out that a parable is a story that has a heavenly meaning to it. 
It is something that the Lord would tell as an illustration, if you will, to be able to relay a heavenly or spiritual thought unto those that heard it. But if you read the Gospels, you'll find out that there are times that Jesus would speak a parable and the people that were listening to the parable would leave and they'd be scratching their heads and they'd say, what in the world is he talking about? In fact, there was times that his own disciples, his apostles, would pull him over to the side and say, we heard you say it, but would you explain to us what you're trying to say? And a lot of times the Lord would berate him and say, hey, haven't you figured this out yet? Um, what I'm trying to tell you, and he would explain to him what the parable is. But in this passage of Scripture, the Lord by makes sure it's very plain what the point of the parable is. Look at verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. What? That men ought always to pray and not to faint. We see here the subject matter at hand is prayer. The reason why the Lord is about ready to tell this parable, the heavenly meaning behind it, is the subject of prayer. And before you turn me out tonight, I know that prayer is preached on many times. Prayer is written about. Prayer is talked about. And I'm telling you what, unfortunately, it's probably one of the least practiced things that we have in churches today. Because if we would really pray with the help and the power of God, all the things that we would see happen for the cause of Christ. We see the subject matter at hand is prayer. But that's not the only subject matter. Because not only does he say in verse number 1, it says uh, that men to pray, but it says that men ought always to pray and not faint. We also see perseverance. We're not supposed to just pray. We're supposed to keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on praying until the Lord answers uh, our request. So we see perseverance. But then we see the puzzling command. Can you imagine... Our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost of God telling us as His children in verse number 6 to hear what the unjust judge saith. He wants us to listen to a lost man. Why would God want us to listen to a lost man? Well, very quickly, I believe it's because this lost man, he answered the request. This widow woman had a request. Uh, and eventually in this passage of Scripture, he answers uh, the request. I believe he also wants us to listen to the lost man because he avenged the rejected. Oh, she had an adversary. She had someone that was coming after her. And eventually he avenged the rejected. And then also uh, we see in this passage of Scripture that he awarded the resilient because she kept asking and kept asking, and kept asking, eventually the judge says, I'll answer your request. Whenever I was a child, you have obviously met my father and mother, and of course Andrew as well. I believe if the Lord lets them, they'll all three be here tomorrow night. Amen. So I'll try to be on my best behavior come tomorrow night. Amen. But I had the privilege of sometimes getting to travel with my father when he pastored and got invited to preach another meeting. Sometimes all of us would get to go as a family. But then there was times when all of us couldn't go because of circumstances. And so he would rotate taking us boys and just spend some 
some father-son time. So I got to, whenever I was younger, go to uh, fellowship meetings, to revival meetings, whether he was preaching or we would just go together. And while we would travel down the road, we would listen to one of two things. We would listen, obviously, to good um, gospel music. My dad loves bluegrass gospel music. Oh, he he loves listening to banjos and mandolins and fiddles and guitars and all that kind of stuff. He'll listen to the Rochesters and Doyle Lawson and Quicksilver and he's got a list of ones that he likes listening to over and over again. I grew up listening to that type of stuff. In fact, I let you in on a secret. My wife, um, even though she's from southern Iowa, she grew up playing stuff like that. Her family plays that type of music and uh, wonderful, wonderful music. But then we would also listen to preaching. I grew up on cassette tape. I know you kids have no idea what that is. But on cassette tape, listening to some great preachers. And one of the preachers that we would listen to that I remember vividly was a man by the name of Harold Clayton. Anybody ever heard of preacher Harold Clayton? I wondered if you hadn't preacher heard of Harold Clayton. I believe he was a pastor down in Texas many years ago. Somebody said he's still alive. I can't imagine him. He was pretty old back then when I heard him. But, um, but brother Harold Clayton, man, I tell you, back then had a hair white as snow. And I'm telling you, he would get up and just hold the corn preaching. And I can remember having him preach on cassette tape one in particular message. You go on YouTube it up tonight. It's called the rabbit and the turtle or the tortoise and the hare. And if you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go listen to that message. I tell you what, at the end of that message, I'll give you a little snippet of it. In that message, he talks about perseverance. You know that story of the turtle and the rabbit? How the rabbit was obviously faster. I mean, in that race that they were going to do. But you know how the story goes. The rabbit and the turtle take off in the race and the rabbit decides that he's going to check his email. He's going to do his laundry. He's going to um, you know, go to the bank. He's going to do all those type of things. And he dilly-daddles around and that turtle just keeps on a trucking and eventually wins that race. Well, he tells that story in that and preaches a message on it. And uh, in fact, uh, I not only... Got to hear it on cassette tape, but I went to a fellowship meeting and got to hear him preach it live too as well as a young person. I've heard the story that Brother Clayton says that when he preached that message for the very first time years ago, he said, boy, I'll never preach that message ever again. I think whenever I heard him at the fellowship meeting, he was preaching it for like the 300. Amen. God got the last laugh in that one. Amen. But he tells this story to his own way. In Luke chapter number 18. And I remember Brother Harold Clayton had an interesting way of telling this. And I'll do it very quickly. He said that there was one day there was a judge that was sitting in his office. In his chair. And all of a sudden this judge heard a knock at the door. And the judge heard the knock at the door at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. When he was sitting at his desk. And he got up and opened the door. And this is Harold Clayton. He said standing at the door was And he took his handkerchief in his hand And he put it on his head just like this And he said standing there was A poor little widow woman You go look it up on YouTube It's exactly what he does And the judge says Ma'am can I help you And the widow woman says Avenge me of my adversary and the judge says, I'm sorry, ma'am, but I'm very busy today. 
I don't have time to be able to deal with your problem. Maybe there's somebody else that can help you with it. I apologize, but I'm going to have to decline. And he ushers her away and closes the door. Well, Brother Harold Clayton so vividly said that this judge the next day was sitting at his desk in his chair at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and all of a sudden he hears a knock on the door. He, the judge gets out of his chair and goes to the door and opens up the door, and guess who's standing there? It's the poor little widow woman. And she says the very same thing, avenge me my adversary and the judge gets a little perturbed this time and said I'm sorry ma'am but I told you yesterday that I can't help you and I'm even busier today than what I was yesterday you're gonna go have to talk to somebody else and he ushers her out and closes the door well the judge the next day is sitting in his chair at his desk at about two o'clock in the afternoon and he hears a knock on the door he gets out of his chair goes to the door up and guess who's standing there? <laughs> the poor little widow woman. And she says it again. Avenge me of my adversary. And this time the judge gets upset and gets mad and says, I told you the last couple days I don't have time. I am so busy. You're going to have to talk to somebody else. And this time he slams the door in her face. Well, the next day. The judge is sitting in his chair at his desk at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And he hears a knock on the door. This time the judge slowly gets out of his chair. Slowly opens the door and peeks around the door. And guess who's standing there? <laughs> it's the poor little widow woman. And he says, what do I got to do to get rid of you? And she says, avenge me. Of my adversary. And we read in the passage of Scripture that he says, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, I will avenge you because of her continual coming. Hey, I'm glad we don't go to an unjust judge, amen, but we go to a father that is concerned with our needs. So let's look in this passage of Scripture, and I want to show you not only the subject matter at hand, prayer and perseverance, but I want you to see some situations presented that we're supposed to pray for. Look at the first one. Look at verse 2. It says, saying, there was in a city a judge, watch it now, which feared not God. Number one, we need to pray for those that are in a godless situation. Are there not people right now that live around us, even this church, that are in a godless situation? Oh, there are those that are lost without God, that don't fear God, don't have anything to do with God whatsoever, and they're on their way to hell. I say, church, we need to be praying for the lost. We need to pray for those that are on their way to a devil's hell. You say, but preacher, there have been times and there have been lost people that I've invited to church. Oh over and over again. There may be even be some lost people that finally took me up on my invitation and came to the house of God and didn't move, didn't budge. They heard the gospel. They heard the man of God preach the word of God and they didn't get saved. They've rejected it. Should I pray for them? Oh yeah. Because never know what their heart is like. You never know what situation will change. You never know how God is dealing with them. We need to continue to pray for those that are in a godless situation. By the way, that was the motivation of our Savior. 
Yes, it was. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 19, verse number 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And if our Savior's concerned about lost people, I think we need to be concerned about lost people. So may I say, child of God, we need to pray for those that are in a godless situation. It's the motive of the Savior. Oh, and then we need to pray because there's a multitude need to be saved. The Bible says in Matthew 7 verse 13 Enter ye in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Here we are in 2022 and they try to tell us that there is a fuel shortage out there and so when they tell us that you know what they've done? They've jacked the fuel prices up, have they not? They try to tell us there's a shortage of everything. So what they've done, jacked the prices up. I'm telling you what, whatever this pandemic thing hit, I find it interesting. You couldn't find a roll of toilet paper to save your life. It's a respiratory disease. Why in the world did people buy toilet paper so much? I remember I had to drive 40 minutes when I got home just to find a roll of toilet paper. And even when I finally found a, a place that had it, there was only like two things on the shelves. They were all cleaned out. I tell you what, they said that there was a shortage of toilet paper. I never seen anything like it. I seen one take out one thing of toilet paper. I mean, four rolls come out of the back. Now, even in the toilet paper section, come out and say, got one, anybody want it? And people lined up, give it to me, give it to me. I'm like, you think they were handing out $1,000 bills or something like that, amen? Do they even have $1,000 bills? I don't think they do. But anyways, $100 bills. But I'm telling you what, they tried to tell us that there was a shortage of this. They still try to tell us there's a shortage of that. Hey, now listen to me. If they ever try to tell us there's a shortage of bacon, we're in trouble, all right? Got to make sure that we got to keep the bacon around here. Amen. Let me tell you something there'll never be a shortage of. That's sinners. Amen, preacher. There's a whole lot of lost people out there that need to tell, that need to hear the of Jesus Christ. Hey, we need to pray. We need to pray and tell people that about Jesus that are in a godless situation. We need to pray for the lost because of the misery of those that are close to us. Some of you in this room tonight may go home and share and be under the same roof as a lost person. Some of you will get up and go to work tomorrow. In fact, a lot of you will. And you will work around lost people that are lost and dying going to heaven. When's the last time you've walked out of your house and you've went down to get the mail or maybe to get the trash cans or something like that. And all of a sudden your neighbor came out at the same time. And you exchanged pleasantries. You said, hi, how you doing? Talked about the weather. Talked about the sports. Talked about the politics. When's the last time you brought up Jesus? Amen. We need to pray for those that are in misery that are close to us. Hey, you, know, you don't have to look very far to find somebody that's lost without God. Amen. We need to pray, friend, for those that are dying and going to hell. That's not all we need to pray for, godless situation. But look at verse number 3. Look at another situation we need to pray for. Verse number 3, it says, And there was a widow in that city. Number 2, 
We need to pray for those that are in a seemingly, listen to me now, God-forsaken state. I didn't say they were in a God-forsaken state because we know God doesn't forsake anybody. Amen. But there are people that feel like they're in a God-forsaken state. You say, we're talking about preacher. This lady was a widow. She didn't have anybody to help her. Uh, she was a widow. She was alone. She had no comforter. She had no companion. She didn't have anybody to, to be able to come to her aid. Why do you think that she's going to an unjust judge to get help? Most likely she don't have, a, uh, she don't have any family around whatsoever. Otherwise she probably would have went to family to get help. No kids. Obviously her husband is dead since she is a widow. She's going to a stranger to get to help. And may I say, child of God, there are people that even tonight, maybe even sitting in this room, that feel alone in a crowd. There are people right now that feel like nobody loves them. There are people right now that they'll lay their head on their pillow at night and they'll weep their eyes out thinking, nobody cares about me. Hey, friend, we need to pray. We need to pray for those that are in a seemingly God-forsaken state. God does love them but they don't feel like that they're loved. We need to pray. You never know what somebody's going through. I mean, children of God come into the house of God. Boy, we'll put on a smile. We'll shake hands. How you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing good. But on the inside, we're dying. On the inside, there's something wrong. On the inside, there's things uh, that are eating us alive. Hey, may I tell you, friend, you need to pray for those individuals that are in a seemingly God-forsaken state. This woman was a widow, nobody around, but hallelujah to God. We can pray for those uh, that are in a God-forsaken state. Hey, discouragement and depression is real in our day and age. Something that people deal with on every hand. Something that people dealing with in reality. And we can shrug it off and say it's no big deal. Oh, it is a big deal. We need to pray for those that are in a seemingly God-forsaken state. Oh, may I remind you? May I remind you sometimes when you wake up in the middle of the night, wake up in the middle of the night and all of a sudden there's a name on your mind, don't roll over and go back to sleep. Pray for that person. Could be that God woke you up at that moment in time and put that name your heart uh, to be able to pray. Hey, have you ever had one of those times uh, where you're just going about your business about the day and all of a sudden a brother or sister in Christ or somebody's name will come to your mind and you'll just start praying. Lord, help them. Lord, be with them. I don't know what they're facing right now, but I ask you, Lord, that you would be with them. Did you come to the house of God and that brother or sister will raise their hand and say, Preacher, i got to testify. i got to testify about how bad a week I was having. I'm telling you what, the devil was on my case. It seemed like everything I was doing was going wrong. Then all of a sudden, at such and such a time, it just all turned around. I mean, it seems like glory filled my soul. Seems like the, the heavens opened. Seems like the angels came down. And all of a sudden, God, God was there and he took care of it. Oh, and that brother, and you'll be sitting back there and think, hey, that was the same time God put their name on my heart and I started praying for him and glory to God God knew what he was doing and you prayed for him and the glory came down amen child of God pray and keep on praying for those that are in a seemingly God forsaken state Proverbs 18 24 says a man that hath friends must show himself friendly and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother May I tell you, child of God, you don't have to be lonely. 
Because the Lord's there. Hallelujah. In some of the darkest hours, you could know that your Lord can just pick you up like a little baby. Hold you in his arms. Let you know I'm here, child. Hey, child of God, we need to pray. For those that are in a seemingly God-forsaken state. Oh, may I say that Nehemiah 8.10 says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is a holy day unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There are some people that just don't have some joy and they don't have very much strength. You know what we need to do, friend? We need to pray for them. We need to pray for those that are lonely, love-bearing, and low-spirited. But that's the need for prayer in this passage of Scripture. Look at the end of verse number 3. It says, There was a widow in that city, and she came unto him saying, Watch it now, avenge me of my adversary. We need to pray, number 3, for them that are under the grim assailant's attack. I tell you what, we need to pray because of Satan's diligence. He's out to destroy whoever he can. The Bible says in 1 Peter number 5, verse number 8, Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking he may devour. May I say, child of God, that Satan is out there trying to devour any child of God that he possibly can. And we need to pray because there are those that are under Satan's attack. Amen. Amen. Hey, you need to pray for your preacher. I'll tell you what, if there's ever a person that Satan wants to try to discourage, there's ever a person that Satan wants to try to defeat, it's the man of God. You need to pray for your preacher. Not only pray for your preacher, but your preacher's wife too as well. Ah, one of the loneliest places in the ministry is the preacher's wife. You need to pray. You need to pray for your, your man of God's wife that God would be able to be a comfort to them. God would be able to be a help to them. Oh, they said, I pastored for almost four years, helped start a church for a year. I know what it is to be able to sit on the platform on a Sunday night and sometimes think, Lord, what I'm about ready to say tonight, I just said this morning, seems like I'm just repackaging and saying it in a different way. I mean, are the people going to get it? Are they going to understand? Are they going to get what I'm trying to give unto them? Oh, I know what it is sometimes as a preacher to get discouraged and wonder if the people are going to respond. Are the people getting it week after week? Hey, child of God, you need to pray for those that are under Satan's attack. You need to pray because there are those that are seeing the prosperity of the wicked. Amen. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? The Bible says in Psalm 73, verse 1, Truly God is good unto Israel, even to such that are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish. Why? When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There are some even tonight that are looking over the fence and seeing that the devil's kids are than God's kids. And they're saying, why am I doing this? Why am I struggling? Why am I can't pay my bills? And yet they're driving the fancy cars. They got the nice house with the pool. 
They got all this, and yet they live like the devil all week long. Why in the world am I trying to do that? Hey, that's what the psalmist saw. He said, I know God's good. He said, I know he's good in my life. But he said, I was almost gone. He said, my almost slipped. He said, because I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You say, preacher, you say, did he fall? No, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. You know why? Because I don't have time to read it, but go read Psalm 73 tonight. You know what turned him around? He said, when I came into the sanctuary, came into the house of God, he said, I then knew what their end was, and I knew what my end was. Hallelujah. She played it tonight. I'm on the winning side. Amen. I know that I may not have much down here, but like the songwriter said, look what's waiting. For me on the other side. Glory to God. I've been listening to a song here lately that's just been blessing my heart. Blessing my heart. The family will probably sing it before it's all said and done. But this song says, wait till you see my brand new home. Amen. Happy Goodman sang it years and years ago. And I'm so glad that I may not have much down here. But hallelujah, I got a brand new home waiting for me on the other side. May I say, child of God, we need to pray for those that are looking at the prosperity of the wicked. Hey, 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 it's a real thing. Preachers even look at the prosperity of the wicked. Listen to me. May not have it much around here, but could be. But I tell you what, there's some preachers will get up Sunday morning and they'll drive through town and they'll see the, the church that's down. I use that term loosely, church. That church in town that doesn't preach the truth, got a light show, has painted the back wall black, has turned their platform into a stage, got young people all over the place, parking lots full of cars, and as they're driving to go to their church, it just has a handful of folks, and he's going to get up and preach the word of God to the same handful that were there last week. All of a sudden, the devil creeps up on his shoulders and says, well, you know, if you weren't so dogmatic about the Bible, you could have that. If you didn't want to continue to keep this James Bible, the Bible, you could have that many cars in the parking lot. If you weren't so dogmatic, if you weren't so dogmatic about the music you let in your church, you'd get a bigger crowd. Hey, Brother Miller, there's preachers that are dealing with that. I mean, I want to reach as many people as I possibly can. But listen, I want to make sure I'm right with God doing it. And there are those that are looking at the prosperity of the wicked saying, well, if, if, if I just dip my colors just a little bit, maybe I'd have a bigger parking lot full of cars. Hey, 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 that's a real thing. We need to pray. We need to pray that God will allow his men to stay true until the end. We see the seeing the prosperity of uh, the wicked. And then we also need to pray for the grim assailant's attack because of the seemingly stat, sad state of God's people and work. The Bible says in Nehemiah 1, chapter number 3, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also was down and the gates thereof are burned with fire and it came to pass when I that's Nehemiah heard these words and I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed 
before the God of heaven. Hey, people look around and say, can't win souls anymore. People look around and say, you can't build a church anymore. And it's seemingly like that, hey, since COVID happened, we can't get everybody to come back to church anymore. And the devil will creep up on your pastor's shoulder and other men in the church and say, what's the use? May I say that John chapter number 14 and verse number 12 is still in the word of God. The Bible says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Hallelujah to God. God said we can do greater works than even Jesus himself if we just ask of the Father. So I say, church, keep on praying until God answers. Now, stay with me. Not only do we see the situations for prayer, but look at verse number 7. It says, and shall not God avenge his own elect? Watch it now. Which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. Number three, may I say, child of God, that silence doesn't mean no. (laughs) This blesses my soul. Just because God hasn't answered yet, hasn't given you the answer that you desire of him, doesn't mean he ain't going to answer. Because the Bible says here that even though they cry day and night, it says, though he bear long with them. Oh, I like verse number 8. Because look how it could change around an instant. He says, I tell you that he will avenge them. Look at the next word in your Bible. Speedily. Hey, all it takes is one phone call. All it takes is one letter in the mail. All it takes is one person to show up and knock on your door. And your situation can change around in a heartbeat. So I say, friend, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Because silence doesn't mean no. He may be working some things around the scene, behind everything backstage, just to be able to get it just right. So then all of a sudden he'll show up, and it'll happen in a whirlwind, and all of a sudden you'll say, Woo! What just happened? Amen. My situation just changed in a moment. Oh, may I say silence doesn't mean no. May I contrast the difference between this widow woman and us. She was a stranger to the judge, but we are God's children. He wants to hear and answer our prayer. She was only one. Oh, but we are many that can pray unto our heavenly father she was told to keep her distance he didn't want her around but hallelujah we're told of the father to come boldly unto the throne of grace she came to an unjust judge but we go to a righteous father amen she had no friend to speak for her or on her behalf but my bible says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He's the propitiation for my sins. And not for my sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. So I say, child of God, keep on praying. Oh, her importunity was provoking to the judge. But our God delights 
and inclines his ear unto the prayer of his saints. Do you know that's what the Bible says? Do you know the Bible says that God inclines his ear unto the prayer of his saints? Hey, 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 I've preached a message before on the movements of God. There's some movements of God that I like. Yeah, yeah. Bible says it's time for thee to work, O Lord, when they have made void thy law. God's going to get to work. Amen. I like it when God goes to work. Bible also says that the Holy One of Israel has made bare his arm. That means God's rolling his sleeve up. Hallelujah. You know what happens when God rolls his sleeve up? Woo, watch out, honey. He's about ready to do something. But the Bible also says that he inclines his ear unto the prayer of his saints. Means God bends down. And when God bends down, preacher, he hears and answers prayer. I'm glad that God bends down when I start to pray. Now, got one more thing to say, and I'm done. You've been patient. Not only do I want you to see the silence doesn't mean no, I want you to see the situations for prayer, the subject matter at hand. But lastly, I want you to see this widow woman's stamp of identification. You say, preacher? What do you mean stamp of identification? We don't know much about this woman. We don't know the name of the town she lived in. We just know she lives in a city. We don't know how long her husband's been gone. We just know he's dead. We don't know how he died. We just know that she's a widow. We don't know if she had any children. Most likely not. Because otherwise she probably would have went to her children to get help. But because she didn't, probably don't have any children. But we don't know that. The Bible doesn't say. You know what we know about this lady? She kept asking, and she kept asking, and she kept asking. Every time we talk about this widow woman, we talk about how she just kept asking. With that in mind, go to one more passage of Scripture. Mark chapter number 11. And I'm about done. Mark chapter number 11. Look at one verse. Mark 11, famous verse of Scripture. Look at verse number 17. Her stamp of identity. This is what she was known for. Mark 11, verse number 17. And he, that's Jesus, taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations, the house of prayer. Now, wait a minute now. Let me give you a little secret, okay? Let me tell you what, what a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times us preachers talk about when we get together one with another. We sit down and fellowship. You know what preachers talk about? They talk about other preachers. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because this is our life. I mean, uh, preaching and, and church, and we talk about other church ministries. We talk about other preachers. I'm not I mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying that's, uh, that, that, that's what we talk about. We talk about preachers we know in common. There's many times that I go to a church, Brother, Brother Miller, that I've never been to before. They just heard me preach at a camp meeting or somebody recommended me to them, and I'll go in, and I'm trying to get to know the pastor and the, and, and the preacher, and all of a sudden we'll know we have this person in common, and we know this person, and Independent Baptist is a small world. You're going to run into somebody that you know one way or the other. And many a times, preachers are talking. When preachers talk, they'll bring up ministries' names that they have been around. Yeah, they'll, they'll bring up a ministry's name, and, and all of a sudden come to our mind, we'll say something like this, like, oh, yeah, that, that, that church is, has quite the outreach program at that church. There's some churches, Brother Miller, man, they have bus routes that go everywhere. 
They have a missions department that they, they support so many missionaries. I mean, they're just known for having a great outreach program in their church. That's what they're known for. Sometimes I'll bring up a church's name and, and I'll say, Woo! Boy, the music program they have at that church is unbelievable. I mean, it seems like everybody and their puppy dog can sing in that church. I mean, they got this that group and choir gets up and sings. Remember one church in particular down in Kentucky that I used to go to years ago? And I'm telling you what, that church had about 120, 130 people in it out in the middle of nowhere. It had a million-dollar building out in the middle of nowhere in a cornfield. The tobacco field. It is Kentucky. Who knows? I don't know which one it is. But uh, I mean, beautiful building out there. And I'm telling you what, they were faithful. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, 120, 130 people. I mean, just just like clockwork. And that church is a praise, praising church. I mean, they'll shout, they'll have a time. Glory to God. Woo! I mean, they'll just have a time. And they got a choir. <laughs> no, they got two choirs. They got a choir that all the young people will get up. And be able to sing. And I'm telling you what, that choir will have probably about 70 people in the choir. Now, wait a minute. Do the math. They only got 120 and 130 in the auditorium. And they got 70 of them up there in the choir of kids. Man, they'll get up and sing. And the glory will come down. And mom and dad are out there shouting, egging them on. Glory to God. Their grandkids up there. Their kids up there singing for God. And they're out there waving hankies, running the aisles. Glory to God. Well, then they get done singing two songs, and the piano starts playing, and they swap places. Then mom and dad gets up, and they have an adult choir. And now you got about 60 of them get up there, and then the kids are out there egging mom and dad on. I can tell you what, they're just a singing church. Some churches are known for their music. Other churches, you'll bring up their name, and you'll say, Woo, that pastor is a preaching machine. I mean, he's like a buzzsaw when he gets up to preach. I mean, that pastor is asked to come to other churches to be able to preach. What a preacher they have at that church. But when's the last time you've brought up a church's name and the first thing that comes to your mind is, that's a praying church. When yet... Brother Miller, that verse says right there, what God wants his house to be called is a house of prayer. Nothing wrong with outreach. We need it. Nothing wrong with singing. Thank God we can lift up the name of the Lord. Nothing wrong with preaching. Got to have it in this day. But God said he wants his house to be known as a house of prayer. Hey, 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 not only that, look at the rest of the verse. He says, a house of prayer, he says, shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. That means even the lost people should know that Nobbs Baptist Church is a praying church. They may not agree with our doctrine. They may not agree <laughs> with our stance on the word of God. But they should know. That when they're in trouble, we'll be a praying church. It was said years ago of a place called Philae. Philae was known in early Methodism, Methodism of years ago, 
Those primitive Methodists, you go and research some of them, they were quite the rowdy bunch. And it was known in primitive Methodism day that Philae was just a stronghold of Satan and many missionaries and preachers had gone to try to reach the town of Philae to no avail. Finally, at last, the council was going to decide that it was a hopeless cause. And they weren't going to send anybody else there. This wasn't going to happen. And there was a man by the name of John Oxtoby. He was known, look him up sometime, as praying Johnny. He came before the council and he said, give him one more shot. Let me go and see what the Lord will do. The story goes that praying Johnny left the council and started off towards Philae. Somebody asked him, hey, Johnny, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to be able to see God revive his work. And off he went. The story goes that praying Johnny got over the hill the town that he just came out of towards fire. and as he got on top of the hill he could see the whole city right before his eyes the sight overwhelmed him that the story goes that all of a sudden he dropped to his knees and started praying for the success of his mission it is said that a miller who was nearby, was over on the other side of a hedge, could hear praying Johnny yell out to God in prayer, saying something like this, Oh, dear God! Oh, dear God! You're going to make a fool of me! You're going to make a fool of me! Oh, dear God, if I go back and you haven't moved and you haven't worked... You're going to make a fool of me. And Lord, what will then people say about praying and believing? The struggle was so real and so hard that praying Johnny prayed for hours. He made his very weakness a plea unto God. And then all at once, the heavens opened. I joy filled his soul. He jumped up from his prayer and said, It is done. Finally is taken. Finally is taken. And all the goes that taken it was. Ah, fresh from the mercy seat of God. Praying Johnny ran into finally the town, started going up and down the streets, singing, Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. God bless the Lord who giveth salvation. He just started singing at the top of his lungs. Oh, people started wondering what's going on. All of a sudden, a group of hardened fishermen came into a, a, a crowd and started hearing, praying Johnny sing at the top of his lungs. He gave, him the, gave them the gospel and the story goes that they fell on their knees in trembling conviction and in just a few moments had given their all to the Savior. That happened over and over again 
until multiple people receive the Lord in fighting. What hopeless cause do you have tonight? That people would say, no use even praying over it. God can't answer that. I say keep on praying. Because when God says to listen to a lost man, you know what he's saying? Keep on praying. Doesn't matter how dark a night. Doesn't matter how hard of heart. If we pray and get a hold of heaven, the Lord will hear and answer our prayer. How about we see Mob Baptist Church be known as a praying church? Let's stand, please, with me.